Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, good morning. Um, it is my pleasure this morning to share the Word of God with you. And as part of our uh, theme on for such a time as this, in Market Harbour we're going to do something exclusively different for, for us. And we're going to, over the next few, well, Phil, for the unforeseeable future, we've not been told how long, but we want to unpack the books of Colossians and Ephesians. And these are let, uh, the book of Colossians is a letter that Paul wrote to the Colossian church. Um, it was a young church, and it was for them to discover what it was that Jesus had done in their lives, the treasures that we can unearth from this word. And the Colossians is a letter. It is a letter to a church, and it's a letter full of encouragement. Yeah. And um, I don't know, people don't get letters these days. Um, I, uh, my father passed away this year, and I was going through all his stuff, and he had loads of letters. And people used to keep letters. And I do keep a few letters, and I keep them in a little file called my fuzzy file. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I tend to read them sometimes if I feel a bit unfuzzy. Um, but this letter's been written down for us for future reference. And Paul writes the Colossians church with one great desire, that they should grow. Not grow numerically, but grow into all the things that God has for them. It says in Ephesians 4.13 that until we all reach the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Please don't ask me what that means. Phil will unpack that for us in a few weeks' time. But it should always be our aim to grow. The scripture is all about growth and not necessarily numerical growth, but growth within ourselves. You know, in business, they say that if you're not going forwards, you're actually going backwards. And in the kingdom of God, in our faith, in our walk with God, it's impossible just to stand still and maintain a level of spirituality. You can't do that. For God, we can't have God as a compartment in our lives. He wants to fill every part of our lives. And we need to be those that seek fresh manna every day. And I was just, as, as we were in the meeting now, I was just reading in um, Exodus. And the children of Israel had to get fresh manna every day. And if they didn't get it every day, if they took extra, it went mouldy. It said it went full of maggots. And we need to be those that every day are moving forwards in God and reaching forward for new things. So this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the whole book of Colossians. So just be thankful that this is not an expansion of Deuteronomy. Um, So if you've got Bibles, turn to them. But remember that this is the Word of God. This letter was read in churches many, many years ago. So starting, I'm not going to go through the, I won't say all the verses and chapters, but I'm just going to read it through. But allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. Allow God to say things to you. Don't wait until, oftentimes, you know, when the preacher reads a scripture, you just turn off and wait till he tells you what it's all about. But this is the (laughs) Word of God. This is what God is saying to the church. This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, 
who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world and is bearing fruit by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you'll have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation, for for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we cannot see and the things we can see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me responsibility of serving the church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Yeah. 
This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone all about the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know how much I've agonised for you and for the church at Laodicea and for the many other believers whom I've never met personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now just as you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anybody capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that came from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So, you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every rule and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptised, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anybody condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moons or Sabbaths. For these rules are only a shadow of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anybody condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments as it grows God nourishes it. You have died with Christ and you have been set free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't touch, don't taste? Such rules were mere human teachings about things that will deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise, 
because they require strong strong devotion, pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline. But they they will provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now it's time to get rid of anger and rage, malicious behaviour, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom it gives, Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly in whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as a reward and that the master and that the master you are serving is Christ but if you do wrong you will be paid back for the wrong you have done for God has no favorites masters be just and fair to your slaves remember you also have a master in heaven devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysteries concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. 
Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response from everyone. Tetricus will give you a full report of how I'm getting along. He is my beloved brother and faithful helper who serves me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how I'm doing and to encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tetricus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who is with me in prison, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As, as you are instructed before, make Mark, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers, and they have been with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of our own fellowship and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends his greetings. He also prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nymph and the church that meets at her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read this letter and you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. <laughs> Amen. I have to say, I've read that numerous times over the last couple of months in very different translations. But it takes 17 minutes to read that. And my encouragement to you this week is spend 17 minutes a day reading that. There's lots of things that we can do every day that take 17 minutes that probably are a waste of time. This would be a good use of time. But Paul sets out that growth is vital and the areas that we can be distracted from that growth in terms of false teachings and traditions that reduce our effectiveness. And Colossians is a balance of these arguments. There's instructions against false teaching that can railroad us and then there is advice on how to discover Christ and who Christ is and to grow more like him and our roots to go down into him. In Colossians 2, 7, it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And in Ephesians, it says in chapter 3, it says, when Christ makes your home in your heart, as you trust him, your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And... If we build our lives on him, then he keeps us strong. Yes. It's as simple as that. Yes. And we have to ask the question, where are we planting ourselves this morning? Are we planted in good soil? Is everything built on him? Is everything strong? Or are our lives full of rocks and stones, perpetuated with thistles and hard, unpermeated ground? Because to grow more like him, we have to grow deeper into him. 
Colossians sets out who Christ is and the effect that it can have on our lives if we allow him to penetrate our lives. And so over the next few weeks, the themes that we want to expand and we want to unpack are things like, this is a great one, the cosmic significance of Christ. Outside of Christ, there is nothing. There is nothing outside of Christ. And the pursuit of anything outside of Christ is pointless. It's pointless. And when we look at the cosmos and, you know, outside of that, there is no Christ. Christ fills everything. He is the Lord of creation. He created, everything was created by him and for him. And everything that's created by him is held together by him. If God decided not to hold everything together, everything would cease. It wouldn't even explode. It would just not be here. That's quite scary. He's the head of the church. He is the supreme head. There is no other authority higher than him. He has no competitors or no rivals. You know, we sometimes think that God is in this, like, massive battle with people. And there's that song we sing, he has no rivals. And in the business that I'm in, there is one company in our industry who turns over 250 million a year. And the nearest rival turns over 50 million. But I know that the company that does 250 million, they still find this 50 million pound company a real pain sometimes. But God isn't like that. He doesn't have any rivals. There's nobody that even comes close. They're not an issue as far as God's concerned. He is the head. Anything that detracts from Christ is against faith. We must, he must be the centre of everything in our lives. That's a challenge. I know that's a challenge. He must be the centre of everything in our lives because anything that distracts from Christ is not, is against faith. That's not that we can't do other things, but Christ must be the centre Another thing we'd like to look at is the supremacy and all-sufficiency of Christ. <laughs> that means he's above all and he's the answer to all. And nothing outside of Christ holds any answers or solves any problems. That's what that means in real terms. Awesome. Christ as the fullness of God. Christ is and was the earthly representation of God. And for me, what that says is that demonstrates that this life is possible. God came into a man and lived the life that he's telling us to live. To say, well, he he was Jesus, you know. Well, that's not true, because it says the fullness of God dwells in him as it dwells in us. I know it's a challenge, folks. That's what I only, I'm only telling you what it says. (laughs) Another thing we want to look at is that the only source for living, that he is the only source for living this Christian life. The power for living can only be found in him. 
The power for living a victorious life can only be found in him. Not our job, not our activities, not our families, in him. And knowing him is the knowing that he is the head, the leader, and the power source of everything that we do in our lives. Making sure that we get that connection with him. Because once we grasp that, once we start to move into that, life is never going to be the same again when we see that Christ is in us. So intertwined with all these incredible truths, Paul then addresses the things that can hinder us, the things that can slow us down, the things that can reduce the effectiveness of Christ in our lives. And he talks about legalism. And, you know, often we say from the front here, oh, you must pray more, you must read the word more. But I want, I want people to see that rather than say I want to read the word more often, I love to read the word. I should pray more often. I love to pray. It becomes part of our lives. It's more, you see, I'm not religious. Somebody, somebody described me at work the other week as, oh, Stephen Russell, he's religious. Well, people who go jogging every morning are religious, and you can tell I don't go jogging every morning. (laughs) You didn't have to laugh that much. So, (laughs) but it's about a relationship. It's not about a religion. We're followers of Christ. We're men and women of faith. And so God wants us to do things out of faith and not out of legalism. He then touches on this whole thing about philosophical speculation, which, yeah, that was... In plain English, it means don't get caught up in endless debates and distractions regarding pointless mysteries. In Colossians 2.8, it says this, it says, don't let anybody capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that came from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. You know, the Bible's full of mysteries. And a mystery is not an Angela Lansbury program. A mystery is something in the Bible. When we talk about mysteries of Christ, it's something that God wants us to understand that reveals himself to us. And the first mystery mentioned in the Bible is when a man and woman become one flesh, which is all about Christ and his church. So something that seems very benign to Christ is actually all about Christ. That's what a mystery is. But then there are other mysteries that people want to spend lots of time looking at. And I remember when I first got saved, I got with a group of people and they used to love to talk about these mysteries. And um, I used to feel very intimidated by them. And I used to think... Oh, there's so much I need to understand about the word. But nothing, none of it was to do with Christ. And the mysteries, these are things, these are mysteries that people discuss and make, you know, their whole life hangs around this. Signs regarding the end times. Countless so-called prophecies regarding the return date of Jesus. Well, I can answer that one straight away. He said, nobody knows when I'm coming. Here's a good one. Israel and the Jewish nation. Unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. 
John 3, verse 3. And he said that to a, a Jewish man. Creation theories. Life on other planets. And long discussions about moral codes and how they're relevant in society today. There's nothing wrong in asking those questions, but our focus is on Christ. These folk who centre on these discussions, I've often found that they don't really read the word. They don't gather together. They don't spend time in worship, but it sounds so spiritual. But everything we do needs to be centred on him. I just moved and I felt a sinking feeling. Because in Ephesians 4.14 it says, we will no longer be like immature children that will be tossed and blown around by every wind of teaching because people try to influence us and trick us with lies that are so clever they sound like truth. I love that verse. Because then in Colossians it says, in him Jesus lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul attacks self-discipline, which is um, it's called asceticism. I'm not going to say that ever again. <laughs> self-discipline is a much better... Self-discipline is a good thing. My mother always used to say, people just lack discipline, and I used to hate it. But it's true. And there's nothing wrong in having discipline in our lives. But some people think that if we take away pleasures from ourselves, it sort of brings us near to God. And we often hear people fasting from certain things. Now, fasting is good. It does draw us near to God. But God doesn't want us to get caught up in silly self-disciplines. I heard recently that some people, when, when we fast, it's a time to not eat food and draw near to God. We deny the flesh, we draw near to God. But I hear all sorts of silly things about people that give up wine for November or chocolate for Lent. Do we, and I, I think, well, if I've got to draw near to God during the time I'm eating chocolate, I must be eating a lot of chocolate. <laughs> and it's not about regulations, it's about relationship. Christ Is Christ the centre of all these activities? Paul attacks human wisdom and tradition. And I heard a, a quote the other day, and I so wished it was in the Bible. And I, <laughs> I, I, I looked through all these different concordances and search engines to see if I could find something that I could sort of shoehorn in, but it, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. But I heard this great uh, saying, and it says, The traditions of man make the word of God null and void. The traditions of man make the word of God null and void. And you know... My, uh, my fellow leaders have told me off for apologising for saying this. I'm not going to apologise. But unless we make this our first point of reference and the plumb line in our lives, we are stuffed. We are stuffed. This has got to be the first point of reference because everything else is measured by what this word says. We can't make things up to suit ourselves. I remember a few years ago I was sat in a meeting and I got talking to this guy about, it was a business meeting and he suddenly announced to me that he was um, a preacher in the Church of England and so the whole conversation changed 
And um, as we were talking, he, he got onto one or two of the topics of the day and he started to talk about what human wisdom and tradition thought about this particular subject. And uh, in my work bag, I've got um, a Gideon's Bible, which is um, the Gideon's produced it for businessmen. And it's basically like a thin Bible and it fits in your top pocket. So I keep it in my uh, laptop bag all the time. And if I'm honest, I don't often read it. Um, it's just there. And I remember pulling this out of my bag and I put it on the table and I said to this guy, I said, Alan, I said, as soon as you deviate from what this book says, you're stuffed. And he said, I can't live like that. He said, that's impossible. He said, there are too many things in the world that are contrary to what this word says. And I said, but this is the word of God. It's the most powerful word on the planet because everything that Christ stands for stands in this word. And so that's so important that we don't rely on our own understanding. And so Paul makes that very clear in Colossians that all the questions that we have about anything are answered in Christ. That's just incredible. What is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Is there more to life than this? Is there life after death? It's all in here. Every single thing. Yeah. Sorry, I must, I must stop speaking because I'll, I'll go on all day about that. In Ephesians 4.15, it says that we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Because God wants us to grow. And so often we talk about the church growing. We talk about numbers. We talk about, you know getting a new building. But I think there's something more important than that. God wants us to grow. Because when we grow, we become more like Christ. And when we become more like Christ, the church grows. It's as simple as that. And I know those two things have to work in. That's not that we go on a holiday now and we have no more evangelism for the next 20 years. That's not what I'm saying. But those things have to work together in tandem. And so the message this morning in Colossians is God wants us to grow, to go forward and be more like him. Because when we do that, the Great Commission is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is established both on earth and in our lives. Life is abundant and we have peace. So in preparation of all what Benjamin Phil are going to bring to us in the next few weeks. <laughs> Please read Colossians this week. 17 minutes. That's all it takes. You could read that on the bus. Don't read it while you're driving, unless you're the passenger. But you could read it on the bus. And let's start looking in Ephesians as well, which, oh, Ephesians is even more immense. So I hope that's stirred you, made us think. Let's just stand in his presence. I'd just like to pray for everybody this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that whether we understand it or not, it is, it is something so immense, so powerful. And yet above your word is Christ. And yet in your word is Christ. And Christ is the answer to everything in this world. 
It's the answer. He is the answer to everything in our lives. He is the answer to every situation, everything that we see going on on this planet. It's Christ. And Lord, I just pray that this week that we would be those folk that seek Christ, that we would know what it is to see him as the hope of glory in our lives, that we could be those who confess that I'm in Christ, that we could confess that as he is, so am I. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would be stirred this week to spend time in your word, to spend time seeking you, and to prepare, Lord, for your coming in our lives in a greater and greater measure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.